Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. It is an honor and privilege to share this time with you. We love studying the scriptures and feel they are central to our preaching, teaching, and living of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Our mission here is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. It is our prayer that God would use our preaching and teaching to do exactly that. If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. Glad to be together this morning. I want to welcome you again to First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. My name's Drew Shelley. I'm one of the pastors here. And if I haven't met you, I hope we'll have the chance to meet today before you uh, go home. We do have a gift for you at the Welcome Center if you want to stop by there. We have a gift of homemade bread and some other information about all that happens here in this place and how you can find out more if you'd like to do that. It's good to be together today. This is the first Sunday of the Lenten season. Uh, That really started on Wednesday night. Many of you were here for our Ash Wednesday service. It's the beginning of Lent. Lent is the 40 days, not counting Sundays, before Easter. And it is a season of spiritual preparation where we get ourselves ready through soul searching and prayer, worship, Bible study, and uh, serving together too as we try to prepare ourselves for the great Easter celebration that is to come in uh, less than 40 days now. Let's pray together before we hear the scriptures. Oh God, we give you thanks for your love. We're grateful for your presence with us. We ask now that your Holy Spirit would move in a fresh and new way as we open these ancient words. Speak to us today, O oh God, and give us ears to hear what you have to say to us. Open our hearts, Lord, as we listen. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Our gospel lesson is from Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. This is a passage called The Temptation of Jesus. You may find it familiar as we hear this story from the early part of Luke's gospel. Let us hear the word of God together. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, the Jordan River, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then... The devil took him to Jerusalem 
and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the word of God for the people of God, and so we say, thanks be to God. I wanted to ask as we think about the temptation of Jesus, have you ever found yourself tempted by the right things? Have you been tempted by the right things? We all know about being tempted by the wrong things, but when have you been tempted by the right things? This happens too. My little brother has a wonderful saying that I have come to appreciate so much. He says, sometimes even good people get all twisted up. Can you say twisted up? You have to say it like my brother, twisted up. Can you say it like that? Twisted up, yeah. Sometimes they got all twisted up. That's what he says. And I think sometimes even good things, even the right thing can sometimes get all twisted up. That's what happens to us so often. We have to work when this happens. We have to really work hard to disentangle the mess that we find. When we hear the word temptation, we often think about the very clear split between what is bad and what is good. Here's this bad thing. Everybody knows it's bad. It might be fun, might be exciting, but it's bad. Be good. Don't be bad. That's what we think about when we think about temptation. The truth is, the actual temptations we face on a daily basis are far more subtle and confusing. How many times a day do you have to choose between several bad options? Or maybe you're always having to choose between something that is good and a little easier and something that could be great but would be a lot less easy. Can you imagine the choices faced by our world leaders today? Do we continue to apply sanctions to Russia to try to help the Ukrainian people, knowing that those sanctions are hurting all the Russian people, not just the oligarchs and the leaders? Or do we move to all-out war with Russia, which threatens the existence of the world? Or do we just ignore the brave Ukrainians and do nothing? Those are three choices that are before the world leaders. Which would you choose? They are bad, more bad, and most bad. In my opinion, that's the order that they go in. All of them are bad. Our Christian faith calls us to work for peace and wholeness. What do you do when dealing with someone who doesn't get any of that? I don't know. I don't have the answer to that question. The temptations we face are many. The right thing to do often looks wrong, and the wrong thing looks right. It gets all twisted up, and we have to wonder who can disentangle all of this stuff. Pardon my going to an extreme to make a point, but this is the world of temptation in which we actually live. It is not the do I steal a candy bar from the gas station kind of a temptation. The answer to that is no, don't do that. That's bad. That one's easy. That's not the kind of temptation that we're talking about. That's also not the kind of temptation Jesus was dealing with. 
I want to pull some, some things out of these 13 verses that we often gloss over, Luke 4, verses 1 through 13. Now, Luke is always very careful to help us understand that Jesus is the Messiah, the true Messiah, but he is not exactly the kind of a Messiah that the religious people were expecting, okay? This temptation story sets up the conflict between religious expectations and the reality of God's plan to save the world unfolding. That's what's going on here. You see it in the next move, uh, beginning in verse 16, the rejection of Jesus at Nazareth. You can go read and see how this thing unfolds a little bit more. But for today, we're just looking at the first 13 verses. Jesus has been fasting and praying out in the wilderness for 40 days. The time frame calls us back to the 40 years the Israelites spent wandering in the desert, another kind of wilderness. Luke says, Jesus has already been tempted by the devil during these 40 days. We don't know exactly what that looked like, but the whole experience is like many of the, of the prophets of old who labored under God's call. They often began their journeys with some wilderness experience like the one that Jesus is having here. At the close of the 40 days, Jesus is absolutely exhausted and so very hungry. Can you imagine 40 days? So hungry. The devil shows up. He stands there in front of Jesus and offers three very specific temptations, each one framed up like this. You do this, and I'll give you that. You do this, and I'll give you that. Let's look at each one and see how Jesus responds. The first one. Make a loaf of bread. That's easy enough, isn't it? Jesus can make a loaf of bread. We know about Jesus feeding all of those people with those loaves and fishes. Come on, Jesus, just show him what you can do. Make a loaf of bread. The problem is the devil starts out with, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God. You see, this is not a temptation just about food. This is a temptation to exploit Jesus' identity for his own benefit. Did you see that? It's a temptation to exploit Jesus' identity for his own benefit, even for the most basic benefit, just something to eat. Jesus responds with Deuteronomy 8.3, one does not live by bread alone. The devil is trying to, what's the devil trying to do? Twist it up, isn't he? He's trying to twist it all up, twist it all up. Jesus stays centered and is able to respond with clarity. The next temptation comes, the second one. Do you see all of these kingdoms of the world? He shows him all the kingdoms of the world in an instant. Verse 5, just worship me, the devil says. Just worship me and it's all yours. What's the temptation there? The temptation there is to gain power through compromise. To gain power through compromise. We know all about that, don't we? How many deals have we made with the devil? How many times have we done the whole go-along-to-get-along thing? We know about this. We know about compromise to gain power. It is one of the greatest temptations which faces the church and the people in it to gain power through compromise. What does Jesus say? Deuteronomy 6, 13, Worship the Lord your God and serve only God. Again, Jesus shows us what it takes to remain centered, free from idolatry, and liberated from our own addiction to power and control. 
the third temptation comes. Now the devil changes tactics here. Did you notice the devil changes tactics? If Jesus is going to use Scripture, he is too. The devil uses some Scripture himself. He says, if you are the Son of God, verses 9, 10, 11, throw yourself off the temple in Jerusalem. Throw yourself off the pinnacle of this temple in Jerusalem. They are literally at the height of religion, at the height of religion. And the devil says, let's test this God of yours. Now, now look at the foreshadowing that's happening. Jesus was tempted to call upon God to spare him from death in Jerusalem, in the seat of power of his religion. This happens again, doesn't it? This is a call and response, Luke 4 to Luke 22. Luke 22, Jesus is praying in the garden right before his arrest. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. But this is how it's different. Jesus goes on to say, yet... Not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. We know Jesus does not escape death in Jerusalem. Rather, on behalf of us and the whole world, he fulfills his identity as the Son of God by accepting death and then defeating it. He responds to the devil in these moments with simple words, the words of a hungry, exhausted, and yet faithful Jesus, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Deuteronomy 6, 16. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Unlike the Hebrew people, unlike the religious leaders of his day, unlike the devil, Jesus submits himself to this command, trusting in the ultimate will of God to bring salvation, healing, and wholeness to the whole of creation according to God's own will which we do not always understand or see. Again, Jesus remained centered in the purposes of the one true God to bring healing, wholeness, and salvation to the whole of creation, not just for him, even though it will mean suffering and death for him. All of this happens against the backdrop of conflict between religious expectations and the reality of God's plan to save the world unfolding all around them. Religious people, religious leaders are expecting, they are expecting a Savior to overthrow the Romans, to put them back in their place of power. They are expecting the land flowing with milk and honey for them, even if it means others have to do without. They want that manna in the wilderness again. They want that manna that just shows up. And when they get tired of that, they want some quail. They want a little change of diet when they get tired of what they started with. That's what they want. They want to go back to a time when they drove people out, tore down their homes, took over their farms, and built their kingdom, which will reign forever. They want a flood again, a flood which will wash all the people who are not like them away, and they want an ark an ark which is only large enough to save them. These are the temptations spread before Jesus, spread before the people of Israel, spread before the church of today. Jesus very stubbornly refuses to give in to any of these, refuses to give the religious people what they think they want, Jesus shows us what it means to stay, centered, to stay centered in the purposes of God to redeem the whole world, to be liberated from our addiction to power and control, and to stay free from the idol worship, which was so much a part of his day and is still very much a part of ours. He says, 
Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. He says, not my will, but yours be done. He says, one does not live by bread alone. He says, do not test the Lord your God. This is not a list of scary commandments. It is rather a way of life which keeps us centered with Jesus in the one true God and able to respond with clarity and integrity and even love to all the complicated temptations we face on a daily basis. I found this list in an old commentary, a list of the temptations we face today. These are the temptations we actually face. This list was written about 50 years ago. We're tempted to forget our baptismal identity when we get rattled. We're tempted to use our religion for personal gain rather than to bless the world. We are tempted to be successful rather than faithful. We are tempted to be dazzled and distracted by the riches of the world and to make compromises to gain those riches. And most especially, we are tempted to avoid the path of sacrifice and suffering. What do we learn from Jesus about how to stand firm against these temptations? First, we must always recognize the conflicting expectations of religion. Is it really just about me and mine getting saved so that we can go to be in heaven forever? Or is there more at stake living our salvation now so that together with Jesus, we can help the world discover the blessing of God, the new creation where all people can find in Jesus what they need to flourish spiritually and physically. That's the first thing. The second, Jesus shows us what it is to be grounded in scriptures, not in an idolatrous way, but in a way that deeply connects the living of our lives with the unfolding of God's story. That takes work, prayer, Bible study, community, and just some good old practice day in and day out. Finally, we must recognize the great temptation of idolatry. We put many things in God's place. Work, self, wealth, belief systems, church life, order, values, politics, and the list just goes on and on. We must tear down these idols and hear Jesus' words again. Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. All that other stuff may make you feel immensely comfortable and safe, but it is not what matters most. And so often it gets twisted up into the very thing that actually keeps us disconnected from the God we meet in Jesus. What then shall we do? That's a lot of stuff to think about, a lot to remember. It is, but look back at chapter 4, verse 1. How did we begin? Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. Did you see that in verse 1? Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. The promise of our baptism is that you too are full of the Holy Spirit. Remember, children of God, as you walk in the wilderness, you have an internal compass that is not you, but that encompasses you, and it will, if you let it, show you that which is right and good and holy. It is the Holy Spirit, and you are full of it. This Lenten season... Let's knock the dust off of that thing. Let's ask God to knock the dust off of that thing. 
that we may not be, that we may not be twisted up anymore. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, may the people of God say, Amen. As we worship together now, I would uh, let you know that the altar rails are open for prayer. For those who might like to do that, Sally and I will be behind the rails. If you'll just let us know if you want us to pray with you, otherwise we'll leave you to your praying. If you're here with questions about faith, big, tough questions, we, we have those questions too, and we'd be happy to share that journey with you. If you're here wondering what it might mean for you to say yes to Jesus, to follow Jesus, to accept the forgiveness and grace of God that we find in Jesus, oh, we'd love to be part of that with you. If you'll just come and let us know, we'll, we'll be on that journey together. Let's stand and worship God.